Hello, and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Join me today with author Christy Wright as we discuss time management, priorities, and balance in motherhood. As a busy mom with three young kids and a career, Christy knows how chaotic life can be and how balance feels like something that can never be achieved, no matter how hard you try. But in her latest book, Take Back Your Time, Christy argues that balance doesn't come from getting more done, it's about doing the right things at the right time. We had a really candid conversation that actually benefited me immensely, so I can't wait for you all to hear it. But before we get to the conversation, I wanted to encourage you to leave a rating or review if you haven't done so yet. Leaving a rating and review on iTunes is the best way you can continue to help this podcast succeed and grow. And guys, we are only 20 reviews away from 600. Thank you so much for doing that. I know I mentioned it the last couple of episodes, but you guys are really showing up. So I just really appreciate you. All right. So this week, I finally decided to declutter my books. I know that I mentioned it on last week's episode, but I finally got to it. And I will have to post a picture of my new bookshelf area because it looks really great. And although it is really hard to part ways with books, there are some that I knew I'd never be reading and I could likely just rent from the library. And then again, I really love nonfiction. And it actually is something that I return to regularly, especially my parenting books with each child. I'll come back and just reread sections. So it's something that I don't want to part ways with that's very, I don't want to say precious to me, but it's important to me. And so I keep those things. Anyways, all that to say, I shared a post yesterday and I said, create a home for everything. If you don't want to bother thinking about where you're going to put it, chances are you don't need it. And as Benjamin Franklin once said, a place for everything and everything in its place. So my question to you is, what do you need to find a home for this week or is it time to let it go? And I felt like this was really in line with what I had been going through this weekend with the bookshelf. So many of them didn't necessarily have a home here, and so it was important for me to just let them go. And again, I love the library as a great resource. Or even putting it out on Facebook. If there's a book you're looking for, especially a recent book, you never know who you might be able to borrow it from. So again, my word of advice this week is create a home for everything. And lastly, I do want to say this. That might seem extreme for everything, is what I said. But I really do mean everything. If you have to have a junk drawer in your home, I'm not opposed to that. But have an idea of what is in that junk drawer. Have a place for your stapler. Have a place that seems really obscure to anyone else entering your home, but you know, hey, I take off my earrings and I put them there every night. Or hey, this is where I keep my toothbrush. And it may not make sense to a visiting guest, but this is this item's home and it makes sense for me. A place for everything and everything in its place. All right, let's get to this conversation with Christy. Christy, thanks so much for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited about this. Me too. I'm really glad we're here to make this happen. And I can't wait to dive into our topic today. But before we do that, I'm just going to have you go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners and tell me if you consider yourself to be a minimalist. Okay. So I am a business coach and author, and I've spent the last five to seven years helping women start businesses. So side businesses, small businesses, home-based businesses, and so on. And really in the last year, I have kind of made a expansion, I guess, more than a pivot 
And I really want to help women in more ways than just business. I want to help them in their life. So I've changed my show and launched a book and a devotional. And really kind of my vision for that is to bridge the gap between faith and personal development. And I want to help people have a bigger faith and a better life. And so I just love encouraging other people, but also giving them practical tips. And I'll tell you, a lot of this comes into play in my own life because I'm a mom of three young kids, a six, four and a half and one and a half year old. And so I am in the trenches of littles and it can be exhausting. And I feel like I'm just experiencing what all of the women I work with are experiencing, um, which is, you know, trying to balance it all and being exhausted somewhere in the process. So, uh, so yeah, I just really have a heart for, for helping people in their lives and manage their time and so on. And it's funny when you say, do I consider myself a minimalist? I'd say no, but I would love to be, <laughs> does that count? <laughs> Like, I'm like, if you looked at my earring collection, I definitely don't qualify as a minimalist, but I, I purge probably every week because I think deep down I want to be. So I don't know if that counts for anything. <laughs> no, you're saying a lot of things. So one, that's funny that you say your earring collection. I haven't heard that one yet, but earrings are really fun. So yeah, but then they do purge. And I think that's what I try to tell people with minimalism all the time, that it, you're never going to arrive. It is a constant, especially with kids. I think that's totally normal, but going back to you again, not fully pivoting, but just adding this extension to what you talk about. You are trying to be purposeful in helping women be more intentional in their lifestyles. And you wrote this new book and it is about deciding what matters in your life and priorities. And I want to talk about that today and how we can apply, I guess, that mindset going into the new school year. I think this is one of the most difficult areas, I think, for moms sometimes just getting back to the new schedules, adjusting to new schedules, new routines. So one of the things that I saw that you said, which is funny because I regularly say, if everything is your favorite, nothing is your favorite. And you say, if everything is important, then nothing is. So tell me more about how you decide what matters in your life. Yeah, it's a great question. And the parallels between what you do, Diane, through this show and what I'm talking about in the book are just incredible. In fact, I open up one of the chapters. I'm not sure which number it is, but I open up one of the chapters with an example of how it feels to purge my closet. And I use this whole story of getting rid of clothes, things that don't fit, that aren't right for me. Um, and it really opens up my closet, not only space in my closet, but it opens up to where when I go to my closet to look for something to wear, I'm only left with good options. Every option is a good one because I've purged all the things that are not right for me anymore. Mm-hmm. And I and I lead I lead in with this story to help people understand how that applies to our life and certainly our calendar. Because as you talked about, we are going into a busy fall season. Certainly moms are busy with school calendars, sports calendars, all the volunteer opportunities, all the PTA meetings, all the things. It really is kind of the second new year. Um, for many people, especially for moms. And what's tempting is to fill up our calendars and never ask ourselves if those things are actually important to us. We Mm -hmm. ask ourselves, is this good? Is it fun? Are my friends doing it? Could I do it? All of these things. And, And there's lots of good, fun things. There's lots of things our friends are doing. But what happens is we fill up our calendars, we cram them so full that we don't have a minute to breathe. We don't have any margin for anything new. We're not working out or having quiet time or having date nights with our spouse or time with friends. We're just running from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. And I think that to your point about how you focus on what's your favorite or, or, or what's most important in your life and with your stuff, 
-hmm. We need to do that with our calendars and our lives. And so we need to ask different questions before we say yes. And certainly think about the minimalist mindset with how we manage our time this fall, because it will drastically change not only how we fill our calendar, but how we experience this season of our life. And so I think, you know, one of the things that many women are guilty of, and I'm certainly guilty of it, is we treat everything equal. So, so in our mind, we're like, well, I need to pay the bills and steam clean my couch and feed my kids and also highlight my hair and also reorganize the attic and also get groceries. It's like, these are not all the same. Mm -hmm. (laughs) These are not on an even playing field. Mm-hmm. And so in the book, I, I walk people through several exercises to help them identify what is most important right now. And the right now piece of the question is very, very important because I think that we tend to think of priorities as a set it and forget it thing. So mm-hmm. someone might say, my priorities are God, others, self. In mm-hmm. that order. And I'm like, that is a fantastic Sunday school answer. That is very impractical for real time management. Like, I want you to identify what is most important in this season. Mm-hmm. What is most important to you in the summer is different than what's most important to you in the fall. What's most important to you when you're 20 is different than what's most important to you when you're 40. And so it just, I walk people through a series of exercises to identify what is most important to you right now in this season write it down in order of priority. And what's so beautiful about this simple exercise, Diane, is when you put it on paper, it gives you permission to let go of all the things that didn't make it on the paper. It helps you shake the guilt of all the things that you're not going to do because you've decided what you are going to do and what you are going to say yes to those things that are most important right now. Absolutely. And I think it's funny. I can't remember where I read this, but I once read that the word priority, it actually came into the English language back in the 1400s. And it it was intended to mean singular. It meant right. the very first or the, the most important thing. And it was always that way until the 1900s when we started to pluralize it, meaning that we had right. more than one, but it really was supposed to be the number one important thing. And then we can right. move on to the next important thing. And I think that when we are scattered or saying that everything is important or everything takes priority, then I stop being, I guess as productive or I stop being as great in all those areas. And then I'm just kind of winging it in all those areas. Well, and just honestly, we just rush. Yeah. Like one of my favorite books is the ruthless elimination of hurry oh, by yeah. John Mark Comer. Mm-hmm. And just the idea of who I become when I rush like, if you think about that, like when I, when I cram my calendar full, because I, I treat it all as important and I can't say no to anything. And I just cram more and more in and I try to multitask and just run harder and wake up earlier and stay up later instead of edit. Mm-hmm. Then what I do is I rush from one thing to the next. Well, if I think about myself when I'm rushing, all of the qualities that come up in me are negative. Yeah. I'm impatient. I'm unhappy. I'm not any fun. I'm not kind. I'm probably quick tempered. I don't have time to slow down and love. And when my daughter wants to pick flowers to just enjoy that moment because I'm rushing. And so if we, if we can zoom out of the day-to-day grind and say, okay, who do I want to be? Like, what kind of mom do I want to be? What what kind of uh, business owner do I want to be? If you're, if you're running a business, what type of person do I want to be? And, and when you ask yourself, who do I want to be? And you write down some qualities, then it tells you what you need to do. 
because you need to do things that allow you to be the person you want to be. So let me give you a really practical example. One of the things on my list of five adjectives that I want to be, Diane, Mm -hmm. is fun. Fun is important to me. It's a value. It's a part of my personality. Well, if I'm going to be fun, you need time for fun. You need margin for fun, for spontaneity, for laughter, for being present in the moment. You know what else I need? I need rest. Mm-hmm. I am no fun when I'm tired. No fun. I'm grouchy and irritated. And so that then informs my calendar. I'm going to go to bed earlier. I'm going to leave more time than I think I need in between activities so that there's margin. There's room for spontaneity. There's room for fun. And so while it might be difficult to discern What's what matters most when you look at your calendar and it's so full and your to-do list is so full, instead ask yourself a different question and say, who do I want to be mm-hmm. and decide who you want to be. And then that will help you determine what you need to do mm-hmm. when you know who you want to be. Absolutely. And I want to talk about balance next, but I will say as we're sitting here having this conversation, I'm having this light bulb aha moment and I just have to say it. So I have always been someone and people can think that I'm a jerk for this, but I've always been late. I've always been a late person my entire life. I used to have to chase the bus across the neighborhood as an elementary school student. I've always just been late. And I think you are making me see right now that I, even though I preach this on my podcast all the time, I've made things, I made everything important. I've made everything take priority, whether that's getting something cleaned up really fast or finishing this or finishing that. And then it ends up putting me behind and then I start rushing and then I'm everything that you just described. So you just made me have a light bulb moment, which I should have <laughs> much longer time ago. Yeah. Cool. I, I'm I, glad that helps. That's awesome. Even as I have read that, and so much of what I learned about rushing was from that book I referenced. Mm -hmm. But since I have learned that myself, I make decisions differently. So Mm -hmm. one of the, you know, I think as, as women and certainly busy moms, it can be so hard to make decisions. It's hard to discern what is right. There's so many things coming at you all the time and I totally get it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'll tell you, if you add this um, variable, Mm -hmm. add this qualifier rather to your decision-making paradigm, it will help you make better decisions. So from since I've, I guess, months now, if something is going to require me to rush, mm-hmm. it's a no. Mm-hmm. And let me give you an example. A couple of weeks ago, I texted my workout buddy, Nikki, and I said, Hey, I'm going to go to the Y in the morning. Do you want to meet me and work out? We always go around 5am. Mm-hmm. And she texted me back. Um, I'm not going to the Y, but I'm going to go to spin class at 615. Come to spin with me. Mm-hmm. And I ran that through my mind. If I go to spin at 615, I'll get out at seven. I'll rush home, get home by 710, have to fly through a shower, throw on some mascara, be out the door by 735. And I still might be late. Yeah, that's going to be a no. So mm-hmm. what I did was I said, no, thanks. I woke up and went to the gym at five and I worked out by myself because the alternative required me to rush. Whereas normally, had I not had that parameter to consider, I would have said yes, because I wanted to work out with my friend. But what I wanted more than working out with my friend is to not rush. And so when we prioritize not rushing, I know this sounds so silly and wordy, but when you think about it that way, you make better decisions and you stop cramming so much in and give yourself the peace to be present in the moment, slow down and move from one thing to the next and be a lot happier in the process. 
That that absolutely makes sense. And my example is not as great as yours. I'm just thinking I will load the dishwasher before I head out the door. And even little things like that will put me behind, but really do it. Yes. Yeah. But when you say like, if everything important, then nothing is, that is not nearly as important to me as getting my daughter to work to school on time. That is so much more that takes priority in the morning. And so, yeah, you're just making me think I'm really, (laughs) I'm glad to have a conversation (laughs) for more than one reason. But next I want to talk about balance and I guess, why do we feel out of balance and that we're doing too many things? I know you have four reasons, so I want to hear them. Yeah. Well, first, and really the four reasons are a result of my new definition of balance, because I think we get this word wrong. I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to, you know, work 50% of the time, be at home 50% of the time, or more often, I think we put the pressure on ourselves to do everything for an equal amount of time. Like every day is going to be this this pie and it's going to have perfectly divided areas of our life from our kids to our work, to working out quiet time, cleaning the house, et cetera. And that is not realistic mm-hmm. and it's not even desirable. There's almost never a day where you do everything for an equal amount of time. But when we don't, when we have a day where we don't load the dishwasher, we don't work out. What do we do? We beat ourselves up by the fact that we didn't do those, those things instead of being proud of what we did do. And so what I have found in my life is that feeling balanced doesn't come from doing everything for an equal amount of time. It comes from doing the right things at the right time. And when you do the right things at the right time, you feel that sense of balance that you've been looking for all along, Mm -hmm. which then led me down the path to discover, okay, well then what keeps us from that? What keeps us from doing the right things at the right time? And I really came up with four main causes and different people may relate to some more than others, but there's really four, four causes. Number one, we're doing too many things. And that's like you and I have been talking about. We just keep cramming more and more and more in our schedule than it can hold. Our time is finite. And our mission isn't to cut it, cut things out or edit it down or purge, if you will. It's just to cram more in and multitask and run faster and wake up earlier. So doing too many things will always leave you exhausted and out of balance. But the yeah. second problem is the complete opposite. The second problem is not doing enough things. And I'd be willing to bet most of your moms cannot relate to this, but there are people that do maybe someone that's an empty nester mm-hmm. and their kids have gone out to, off to college and they are now find themselves with all this time and they kind of lose the sense of their identity and they don't know what to do. Well, if you don't have outlets to pour into and relationships and responsibilities to show up for, you're going to feel bored and out of balance. So it's a different type of problem, but the, the problem is the same. You feel out of balance. And then the last two, uh, doing the wrong things, And then the fourth one, not doing the right things. And those are slightly different, even though they sound similar. When we do the wrong things, such as work at a job we hate, we're always going to feel out of balance. When you say yes to things that you actually want to say no to, and you end up resenting, you're going to feel out of balance. So anytime you fill your life and your time with the wrong things, you're going to feel out of balance, no matter how perfectly you manage your calendar. And then finally, if you don't fill it with the right things. Because there are things that are important to you, things that make you light up and come alive, things are, are, that are deeply important to you. And if those things are not getting your time, you're going to feel out of balance because you're frustrated because you care about things over here, but your time is spent over here. And there's this gap between what you care about and what your life really reflects. And so the four causes are doing too many things or not enough things, doing the wrong things or not doing the right things. And regardless of which one you relate to the most, the problem is the same. We're not doing the right things at the right time. So we're not feeling balanced. Mm. No, that's great. And I think 
coming in, like I said, coming into the new year and having just a lot of us, maybe last, well, maybe not last year because of COVID, but in the past, we've taken on so many different roles and said yes to so many people. And I think it's really hard to be a people pleaser or just to feel, I don't know, compelled to say yes. But how do we do that without sounding like a jerk? Because it is important to say no and for our no to actually mean no. Uh, but how would you say we apply that? How do we say no without coming across as a jerk? Yes. Well, first, I love the way you phrase this question, because I think that you bring up a really good point that we think saying no is being a jerk. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is saying no is simply setting a boundary and being honest. Mm-hmm. And so if we can reframe what no means, then we're going to be that much more likely to do it. But here's the great news. You can say no and be kind. You can say no in a way that's true to you. And most of all, you can say no and never say the word. Let me give you an example. Cause Diane, I'm not kidding you. My <laughs> husband does this to me all the time. Okay. He's fantastic at this. He should answer this question for me. Here we go. Let's say that I come home with a new brilliant idea. I have a hundred ideas a day. So this is a regular occurrence at our house. And I come home and I'm like, babe, I think we should redecorate the whole living room. What do you think? Like we could do new paint, new throw pillows, like move the couch on this wall. And like, it'd be so cool. And like, I saw this thing on Pinterest and Joanna Gaines. And like, it's gonna be awesome. Like we should totally do it. Here's a very common response of what my husband might say. Like, wow, that is so interesting. You know, I don't think we have the bandwidth to add that type of project to our schedule right now, but I love how creative you are. Mm. (laughs) Now he never said the word Diane, but the answer is the same. No, we're not taking on that stinking project right now. And what's so interesting is um, you can actually say this. You can pass. I did this just today with a friend. She'd invited me to do something really fun. And to be honest, something that I wanted to do, but it was not right right now. And so I texted back and I said, thank you so much for thinking of me. I'm going to have to pass. I have a lot going on this fall that is a priority and it's not the time for me, but please invite me in the future because that sounds so fun. That was literally my text to her, Diane. Like I'm literally telling you word for word what I just texted her. I never said the word no, mm-hmm. but I said, thank you so much. I'm going to have to pass. Here's what's going on. Please ask me in the future. You can do it in a way that is kind. But I think what, what we have to understand, especially as women, is that if you never say no, then your yes means nothing. Mm-hmm. And I will guarantee you that men or women, regardless of your personality style, People would prefer an honest no over a dishonest yes. Mm -hmm. They'd rather you shoot them straight and actually mean what you say and say what you mean and say no in a kind way than say yes and resent them and yourself in the process or say yes and worse, try to wriggle out of it and make excuses later. Mm -hmm. Show people dignity and honor by being honest with them. And honestly, at the end of the day, it's not about no anyway. It's about what you're allowing yourself to say yes to Mm-hmm. instead that is most important to you. But I, I, I just wish people could reframe what this represents in their mind because it's not a negative thing. People actually will respect you for it. And then here's the best part. When they ask you to do something and you say, yes, they know you want to be there. They know you mean it. I'm thinking of an example. And so say you say no to the PTO or to the book club that someone wants to start for daughters. Yeah. And I think that it allows space for someone else to fill that role or someone else may feel, feel convicted to lead that role and, and, and step into it. My only thing, my devil's advocate, if you will, is, 
we'll, we'll use the book club example. Yeah. Let's get all of our daughters together for a book club for throughout the school year. Someone should lead it. And I think you would be great because you love to read and you're like, okay, I'm sorry. I just don't have the prior. I can't prioritize that this year. No, but then no one else steps up and then you feel guilty because you're like, I love to do this and I want the girls to have this, but I can't. So I guess walk me through how we deal with those. Do you see what I'm saying? I think that we feel like the guilt of, well, I have to do this even though I don't have the bandwidth. Yes. So I use an example actually very similar to this, Diane, in the book. Let's use an analogy here. Okay. Let's say that you came home one day and your neighbor is pulling your weeds. Mm-hmm. That would be super weird, right? Or if you came home and you just went into their yard and started pulling their weeds, mm-hmm. that would be very weird because it's their yard. What we're really talking about here is a boundary issue. And people try to encroach on our boundaries and say like, oh, this is your problem or it should be your problem or because you're gifted at this or because you appear to have time or because I just decided you should do it. But what I, what I think is so vitally important is for everyone to understand that no one, no one gets to tell you what should be important to you. Mm-hmm. And if you decide in this book club example, which is a great example, if you decide, I want my daughter to do this book club, but me leading it is not right right now, then you can decide in that moment that that's not right for you right now, regardless of what anyone says, regardless of the guilt trips they give you. And, and you do need to consider in this moment, if you don't lead it, it may not happen. And so be it. Mm-hmm. Because it's not your problem. I actually um, have this in the book of one of the common time stealers is making other people's problem your problem. Mm-hmm. And and I am so guilty of this, Diane. It's like someone comes to the problem. We need a coach. We need to volunteer. We need to win it. And I'm like, me, me, me. I can do it. Yeah. I'd be so great. You know? And, and then, but if we don't, it won't happen. If we don't, the, the kids won't have a coach. If we don't, we don't know what we're going to do. It's not your problem. If it is your problem, handle it. But if it's not your problem, don't allow someone else to make their problem your problem. You get to decide for you what's right right now. If leading the book club is not right right now, then it's a no, no matter what the consequences are. Does that make sense? No, a hundred percent. And I don't, did we mention the name of your book yet? I can't remember. I don't, I don't think so. Take back your time, the guilt-free guide to life balance. So take back your time. Even guilt can take up time when I could be sleeping, you know? So I think that that can be applied to not just our actual tangible time, but our mental time. I guess they're all tangible, but um, just time wasted in general, thinking about something that doesn't apply to us. And you're right. We can feel sad or disappointed that maybe that book club won't happen this year. But again, I think if the right person is convicted and, and steps up or maybe we have more time in the spring and we can feel like we want to step up then. So I, I don't know. I always want to think these things through because I feel like sometimes you listen to a podcast and you're like, Oh, that sounds great in theory, but like, what about this? And I like, totally. no, I love, no, you make a great point. And I, I try to hit on several of those, the things that, that we get sucked into and the things that are, Oh, it's hard to say no, but what about this? But what about this circumstance? And, and I think that, that when, when you're really torn about something, I actually give you in the book, eight questions to ask yourself, Mm-hmm. as examples to decide if you say yes or no to something. And so it just gives you kind of a filter to put opportunities through to determine if something's right for you. But in the book club example, which is a great example, you then, or anybody in that in those shoes could ask yourself, which do I want more? Kind of like I did with the workout scenario. Mm-hmm. Which do I want more? Do I want to work out with my friend or do I want to not be rushed? Well, I chose to not be rushed. In the book club, you can say, which do I want more? To not have this responsibility on my plate or for my daughter to have this book club? Mm -hmm. If you decide I want my daughter to have this book club more, 
and you make the decision to lead it because that is worth it to you, then you better clear your plate somewhere else or change your attitude and show up with a good attitude because the worst thing we can do is say yet regretfully, resentfully, and then we show up with a bad attitude and we're the one that got ourselves in this in this situation. So it's just an opportunity for you to decide, which do I want more? Do I want to not lead this or do I want my child to have it actually happen? If I commit though, I'm going to go all in and have a good attitude about it. No, that's absolutely great advice. And I want listeners to hear more from you. So where can they find you if they want to hear great wisdom from you? Oh, thank you so much. It's christywright.com slash balance is where you can get the book, Take Back Your Time, The Guilt-Free Guide to Life Balance. And then on Instagram, it's at christybright. And that's usually where I hang out. Perfect. Well, as we wrap things up here, I, again, I really appreciated this conversation personally. So I, I know listeners will love it as well, but as we wrap things up, I ask two questions to every guest. And the first one is what is something that you're simplifying this week? AKA what is your minimalist moment of the week? Oh, I love it. My morning routine. Okay. <laughs> like I need, I need my morning routine to be simple because if not, it just becomes stressful. Do you work out every day? No. So I pick, so like, and that goes back to the everything for an equal amount of time. Mm -hmm. I pick my days. So like Mondays and Wednesdays are my days to work out. Typically my husband does Tuesday, Thursday. So Tuesday, Thursday, I'm at home with the kids and I'll do quiet times those days. So I don't do everything every day. I've got one day I might work out one day. I might have quiet time every day. I try to have some moment of being alone and waking up before my kids, Mm -hmm. but I don't do everything every day. And that's part of the simplifying because I'd have to wake up at 3 a.m. to do everything I want to (laughs) do. No, I love that. And I think again, that is really simplifying it because you don't feel, I guess you don't feel like you're missing out like FOMO of, Oh, I want to get everything done because I know that I'm going to get these things done throughout my week. So I really like that. Yeah. All right. Lastly, what is something that you can't stop talking about? (laughs) Honestly, the book that I've already mentioned it, the ruthless elimination of hurry, that book has transformed my, the way that I make decisions, the way that I manage my schedule, definitely inform this book. I cite it in my book, take back your time. Um, and it's a different angle. Mine is more about balance and, um, your calendar and how you make decisions. Whereas that one's more specifically about, you know, rhythms of rest and Sabbath and, and that type of thing. But, um, gosh, it's just like, I didn't realize how much I needed a message of not rushing until I read it. And then I realized, yeah, that's affecting my life. So that's funny. I just, I talk about that book all the time. (laughs) I've heard of it and I've been hesitant to read it because of the word ruthless. And I'm like, this is really going to make me confront things in my life that I probably should have. <laughs> I'm not ready for it. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not ready, but in your recommendation, I might have to, to get it from the library. So cool. Well, this again was very so helpful fun. and thank you for your time today. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Diane. I appreciate it so much. What did you think of the episode? I again, really want to stress the idea of priority and how our modern culture has made it into priorities. We pluralized it, as I said in the interview. And really the word priorities is, as some would say, a fallacy because it is a singular word. So I actually do believe the origins of this word can be really helpful in figuring out what takes priority in our life. And there may be many different priorities in regards to this takes priority in parenting. This takes priority in marriage. This takes priority in my friendship. So you may have various priorities 
but really in each of your roles, you only have one priority. And then within all of that, you probably do have one priority. It's important not to fool ourselves into thinking that we can have more than a single priority really at any given time. Just think about the way that you go throughout your day and no matter what, you're prioritizing one thing at a given time. And having multiple priorities just gives us that false idea that we can somehow live in this reality where we can bend that reality to our own will. Even if you had all the time and all the opportunities and all the energy to take on that role, is it something that you can do and want to do? And I think our priority shifts throughout motherhood, throughout our marriages, throughout our friendships. I think that's going to look different in every season, as is with most things. And we're constantly growing and reevaluating. But as Christy says, we prioritize everything. We rush and we don't do things well. So I truthfully would love to know your thoughts. So I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com. And there you'll find links to the Instagram account, Facebook page, and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.